Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of The War Room and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the War Sports YouTube page. We spoke with them Sunday, December 12th. This past week saw a major development in the attempt by the Olympic Boxing Federation, formerly IEBA and now renamed as the International Boxing Association, IBA, to regain its place on the Olympic program. On December 9th, IOC President Thomas Bach said in a press conference that IEBA, along with the International Weightlifting Federation, were the IOC's, quote, problem children. IEBA would remain suspended from the IOC until at least 2023 and needs to correct ongoing problems in governance, financial transparency and sustainability, and the integrity of their refereeing and judging processes. Boxing also was not included on the list of sports set for the 2028 Los Angeles Olympics, although it was not ruled out that it could be added back if IEBA demonstrated that it had corrected these problems to the IOC's satisfaction. On December 10th, another report was released about corruption in IEBA by the team led by Professor Richard McLaren. This report, issued at IEBA's behest, concluded that the corruption in the officiating in IEBA events did not end with the 2016 Rio Olympics, but has continued through this year. The report noted that, quote, the people are the problem, even when the rules and regulations are of the highest quality. The sport will need to ensure that it cultivates individuals with integrity to run the organization, unquote. It did also praise the efforts of current IEBA President Umar Kremlov and his associates to end this corruption, stating, quote, a genuine attempt at reform and progress has been made under Kremlov's leadership, unquote. McLaren then discussed this report on an international online press conference. On December 12th, before we were able to discuss it, IEBA held its extraordinary congress and adopted all the extensive reforms which had been proposed by the Governance Reform Group, which is led by Professor Ulrich Haas. These reforms included the establishment of an independent boxing integrity unit. IEBA also officially changed its name to IBA at this Congress. And on December 13th, IBA President Umar Kremlov also held an international online press conference. We'll discuss these developments on our upcoming shows. 
Besides the crisis at Olympic boxing, we discussed the debut show of the new Pro Bellum promotion, which took place December 11th in Dubai in the UAE. This show was plagued by numerous major governance problems, and we discussed the significance of these and the lack of proper regulation. Also on December 11th, there were several major boxing cards around the world. We mainly focused on the Matchroom Zone card in Liverpool in the UK, and in particular on the successful defense of her lightweight belts by Katie Taylor against Feruza Sharapova. Taylor clearly won a decision, but this fight was closer than many had anticipated. We discussed what this means, what is next for Taylor, and the latest news in women's boxing. All this is part of our in-depth coverage of the corrupt world of boxing and sports governance in general. But before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by... LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com, that's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And... Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon. For much more No Holds Barred content, that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent No Holds Barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini skirts at the new No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. What's up, fight fans from around the globe? Welcome to the War Room. I am your fight goddess, Chris Baldwin, here with my 
powerhouse boxing family, Melissa Smith. She's an author and women's boxing historian and Mr. Eddie Goldman, award-winning sports journalist from No Holds Barred News. Before we get started, please do us a favor and hit that like button and subscribe to our channel. This is sports justice programming, highlighting corruption in boxing and sports governance in general. Welcome to the War Room. Now, today we're briefly discussing problems with ProBellum. They had a card in Dubai, so we're going to talk about that. Plus, uh, McLaren's report on corruption in amateur boxing and the IOC's recommendation on what to do with IEBA because they are a hot mess. And uh, we're going to discuss a little bit of women's boxing uh, with Melissa talking about Katie Taylor's win over Farusa Sharapova. You guys ready to get started? What's up, team? Yes, yes, yes. Lots <laughs> of good stuff. <laughs> right? Oh, right, it's exactly. important to listen because you can get the results of these fights almost anywhere. You right. can even sometimes get a, a more or less decent analysis of the fight itself. But what it really signified and what was really going on, that's hard to find, but you will find it here. That's right. Right here in the war room. We're going to get started with that. Let's talk about ProBellums. That's Richard Schaefer's uh, new venture. And that car jumped off in Dubai. So, Eddie, let us, get, let us hear your uh, analysis on this situation. Yes, a lot of strange things, although Schaefer is listed as the founder and the head of ProBellum, and this was their first card, ProBellum Revolution. He wasn't even there in Dubai. He was in California with his fighter, who's also a ProBellum fighter, Nunito Denaire, who won his fight on oh, right. the card that was seen in the U.S. on Showtime, which is kind of interesting. And I, I it's, of course, it's just pure coincidence that Pro Bellum's first show is in Dubai, of all places, and they have the money to fly people in from all around the world for a show that only has minor last-minute TV deals. It was on in the U.S. on Access, AXS, which... Most people, I said, huh, what's that? And I even had to find it. I, I actually did get it on my cable company. It was on free sports in the UK and I think Ireland. I think it was picked up in Latin America, but it was a last minute deal. So all of a sudden they have this money to fly people in, as you'll hear from, from all over the place. And it reflected in the show itself. The Three, it's the whole show started three minutes late. It was supposed to start in Eastern time in the U.S. at 11 a.m. Axis was showing rock and roll videos till then. And then when it started, they didn't get the audio on till seven minutes after. So already this was, you know, a harbinger of things to come. They lost their main event, which is supposed to be Casimero defending Why? his title against Paul Butler. Well, there are, that's not entirely clear. Casimero said he got ill or something a couple of days before the fight. That was never clear. And then they wanted to have Butler fight Joseph King Kong Agbeko. By the way, that is Joseph King Kong Agbeko. That's not a nickname. That's his real name. And I also share a birthday with him. So just so 
throw that in. Anyway, <laughs> they're going to be that fight was going to be the new main event, but that fight didn't happen. No explanation was given for that. And I'm sure money had something to do with all of this stuff. So Sonny Edwards was in the main event, you know, which we'll get to. The TV production was awful. It had bad washed out lighting that made it hard to see. It had almost uh, no graphics. And my educated guess is that, to put it uh, cryptically, the economics of the show uh, were different from many other shows. Mm -hmm. Then they had Jalalov, the Olympic gold medalist, who is, came in 8-0 as a pro with eight knockouts, although he had a couple losses as it, when he fought in the World Series of Boxing, but they don't count those in the official pro record, which I find kind of bizarre. He lost twice to a Cuban fighter who's still fighting today, who defected from Cuba, went to Europe, but isn't getting a lot of attention. But officially, he was 8-0 going, going up against a fighter named Calameno, who was originally from Colombia, uh, but Jalalov from Uzbekistan is based in Brooklyn, and Kalamenya was wearing a T-shirt that said El Bronx. <laughs> anyway, Kalamenya was knocked out in Russia on November 4th, and Ooh. here on December 11th, he's fighting against a guy 50 pounds heavier than him who's undefeated and what? Olympic gold medalist at Tokyo. Oh, okay. and so, so all it so took no governance at all in Dubai well, uh, in terms of or a commission. I'll get to, I'll get to the name of the commission in a second. It took exactly one landed punch from Jalalov to knock this guy out. One punch, one knockdown, one knockout at at 46 uh, seconds. In terms of the governance, they said there was something called the Middle East Professional Boxing Commission, which I had never heard of before. And I Googled it, and there's no listing for that anywhere. And if it's something that even if it legitimately just came into existence recently, there's there's no record of, of this thing. And they I didn't catch the name of the guy they said is the head of it. It didn't sound like a Middle Eastern name, but, I, you know, it, it's not not very good. I didn't see between rounds. Some of it was hard to see between rounds because the American broadcast would stick in uh, commercials between rounds. But it didn't look like the so-called commission had any inspectors uh, going to the fighters' corners uh, in between rounds to see what was going on. And there's another thing in connection we'll get to Aiba. One of the sponsors was Green Hill Sports. And Green Hill is mentioned part of the corrupt schemes in Aiba in the McLaren report. And Green Hill was originally uh, formed in Pakistan. Its website said now it's headquartered in Dubai. It sells uh, boxing and sports and combat sports and martial arts equipment. And they were like a big sponsor for this. Then we looked in the governance. They had, there were a lot of Filipinos in the crowd, by the way, and it looked like that's who they aimed 
selling tickets to because some of the earlier bouts had a Filipino referee and he got the loudest cheers of the crowd that even more than the fighters. So they want Casimiro was supposed to be the main event. They figured it would be a showcase and the defense for him. And they also had the veteran Donnie Nietes in a supporting fight that became the co-main feature. Now he's a really good fighter. He's 39 years old and he was fighting a Dominican fighter named Jimenez. And this was supposed to be a WBO title eliminator fight. So you would think it would be a 12 round fight. And if you look uh, during the fight, it said on box rec and other places, 12 rounds. So early in the fight, Nietes was clearly winning. He hurt Jimenez couple of times, he thought, oh, maybe he's going to end the fight early. But then he faded. Again, he's, he's 39. He's a veteran. And Jimenez adjusted and came forward. But the announcers were saying on the TV, at least the English language broadcast, that it was a 10-round fight. And even though this was legitimately a close fight, people expected by the ninth and 10th round, knowing it was a close fight, and that the house fighter was Nietes, who's a pro bellum fighter, that Jimenez would really step it up. But he didn't. He probably won those rounds, but it looked like he was saving saving his strength, his, his energy for what he thought were the 11th and 12th rounds. So the 10th round ends. Nietes goes back to his corner and takes off his gloves. And Jimenez's corner is sitting there, you know, giving him water and wiping him off, getting ready for round 11. They had not been informed oh, that shit. it had been changed from a 12-round fight to a 10-round fight. That's and insane. That's insane. So, so one of the guys running the show, and again, Schaefer was not there, apologized and said, oh, we decided to change it for TV purposes. Now, this is supposed to be a WBO title eliminator. And a title eliminator, especially with a veteran like Nietes, is usually 12 rounds. Okay? So uh, why did it end in, in 10 rounds? Who was making these decisions? The TV? The promotion? So between the WBO and this, this unknown commission, it seems like the, the promotion and the TV people are making this decision. So then it went to the scorecards after 10 rounds the scores for the 10 rounds were not bad surprisingly one judge gave it 96 94 for Jimenez one had it 96 94 for Nietes another had it 95 95 it was a split draw it was a close fight up to those 10 rounds I didn't score it round by round but you couldn't really argue with those and it was somewhat of an upset because most people expected this would be a showcase because Jimenez is not well known, but that's what happened in the uh, what turned out to be the semi-main event. Then in the main event, they had uh, Sonny Edwards, the IBF flyweight champion against a mandatory Jason Mama. Edwards is from the UK, Mama from the Philippines. Both came in with a record of 16-0, and 0, but Edwards had a, a better resume, and it started off as a a pretty dirty, ugly fight. A lot of clinching, hitting on the break, rabbit punches, holding, holding, holding. It looked like 
Jason Mama was more guilty of that. And the referee wasn't doing very much. But after a couple of rounds, uh, they, they settled down. And Edwards was just too fast and too skilled as a boxer. He's, he's not a big puncher. He doesn't have a lot of knockouts. He did score a knockdown in the 10th round. And he won a very uh, wide uh, unanimous decision, which was was deserved, but it was against a, a mandatory. And of course, mm-hmm. he wants to get a unification fight uh, with uh, Martinez. We'll see whether that happens. And of course, Dubai is where hiding out is the uh, alleged, quote unquote, mob boys, Daniel Kinahan, friends with Tyson Fury. And it's interesting that with this card, a day or two before a UFC fighter who's associated with Kinahan posted on social media a picture of him uh, gleaming and smiling in Dubai no with Kinahan. So Kinahan might be coming in from the shadows again. And again, of course, I'm sure this is a big coincidence right before the Probellum fight. My favorite uh, tweet was from, this is obviously a comedy account. Somebody called Money Mauricio Suleiman at Money <laughs> Mauricio BX. And he wrote, fun fact, Probellum is Latin for, quote, no extradition treaty with <laughs> Ireland. <laughs> that was, oh, I yeah. thought that was oh, my pretty God. They have So no they shame. have another card. They, they got another card next week on the 18th again and we'll see uh, we'll see what happens with that but a lot of uh, a lot of bad warning signs I mean you know the fight like with Nietes and Jimenez was was fun to watch because you expected Nietes to walk through this guy and it ended up being a close fight um, and Jalalov you know even the announcers said before it started this won't take long you know but have a cruiserweight fighting the super heavyweight undefeated pro heavyweight uh, Olympic gold medalist, you know, you know, how could they, how could you allow, and a guy that five or six weeks before had already been knocked out, you know, th- this is, this is what the kind of stuff that you expect. And if this is the direction they're going to go in, there's going to just be a lot of problems because as I said, they don't have a major TV deal. I don't know what the terms were, even of them getting on access TV. Because 11 o'clock in the morning, I think Access TV would just be showing repeats of rock and roll videos and interviews and things like that. Like before that, they had a Dan Rather interviewing Cindy Lauper. I don't know mm-hmm. when that took place. So, right. Yeah, that, yeah, but the but, other thing is that there was a big announcement that they were they had made this deal to, uh, you know, it was out in a lot of press that they had made this deal with ASX and, and uh, Fight TV, not Fight TV, but Fight Night, to be able to show broadcasting of the yeah, Pro Bell fights. Sports, free sports yeah. in the UK. And, in UK and also in Canada. So uh, that's really right, fascinating. Fight Network, yeah. Fight Network in Canada. But so, few people watch those things. Not, well, I, that's I it. To- I didn't even know these stations existed when I was looking for them. Because who the heck watches them? And so there's obviously been no marketing done. Um, the other thing, a couple of things. What's interesting is on BoxRec, the commission is noted as Dubai Boxing Commission. 
not that we can always trust Boxwack, but that's who, uh, when who when this fight was listed, that's who was put down as the commission. Changes the his other, name every day. Yeah, and the other question that I have is, you know, okay, so they have an IBF World Fly title. How did they get that fight? Did they do a purse bid on it? I mean, how did that happen? And given that this was such a comedy show, are the big guys like WIB, IBF or WBA, WBC, whatever, are they going to continue with ProBellum if they can't get their act together going into the future? So these are big questions to me. They can lose potential spart- uh, sponsorship deals and partnerships. There's a lot deals. of questions about where the money yeah yeah there's a lot of questions where the money came from so quickly for them to they held it in an arena called the coca-cola arena i don't know what the attendance was i don't know how many were paid it really looked like they had to lose a lot of money which in the beginning which is not necessarily a red flag but what's what's their plan you need tv you need streaming we're going into 2022, and they, they, I understand that in terms of broadcast, they'd be aiming more at uh, the UK and Ireland and the rest of Europe and, and Russia and the Middle East, and that the US would be secondary for them. That, that would probably make, make sense in some ways for them to do that, but they still need some kind of some kind of stronger TV deal. And yet they're coming up with card, these two cards in a row there. You know, it, it just raises a lot of red flags. And then to have Green Hill, if you read the uh, McLaren report that just came out, they just really go into the role that, that Green Hill and its subsidiaries played in corruption in IEBA. And now all of a sudden they're back with this professional card. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, it, it just smells. But I, I mean, what, one can understand that a, a, the first go around on a broadcast deal might be a little shaky, right. uh, especially, you know, in an environment that is not used to showing um, these kinds of fights or broadcasting these kind of fights. Look, you know, the early fights on zone were pretty stinky, too, in terms of cameras not matching, too dark. I, I'm noticing the same thing on the UFC uh, fight night stuff on some of their boxing matches, not exactly what you, as premier as the way a Showtime bout looks or even an ESPN bout. But to allow these kind of shenanigans on a card is unacceptable to have a guy who's, who's, you know, five weeks away from getting knocked out uh, and about uh-huh. th- those kinds of things are, are huge red flags. And, you know, the questions need to be asked of ProBellum. How are you going to get your act together and become professional? Because again, you know, maybe the first time you, you allow them a little slack on their recording or their television issues, but you can't screw around with the card and expect that people are going to pay money to see it or that they're going right. to be able to sustain themselves with real boxing cards. So and Richard, it's going to end up a clown show. You know? Right. And, and Richard Schaefer should know better. You, he was at Golden Boy forever. You were at Golden Boy. Then you did Star, was it Star Promotions or something? And now you're doing this. You should know better. He should have this handled way better. Yeah, they, they lost their main event. Right. They had the mismatch 
the, the thing with the heavyweights and the and the the app about switching it from twelve rounds to ten rounds in the Nietes Jimenez fight. That's some bullshit. And and a, and a and a dicey sponsor running in Dubai with uh, an unknown commission that we're not even sure if what the name is, let alone it exists and you know what they uh, mm-hmm. how they actually regulate it. That's that's different than. Yeah, the, t- the you could rack that up the TV production, you know, the lighting and and the right. stuff like that. The technical problems. That's those are different things. We're talking about stuff that's just straight up corrupt. Right. Absolutely, absolutely right, Eddie. As I said, you can you know you can forgive them one bad television production, right. but they have to get their act together in terms of how these fights are being governed at, mm-hmm. at the most basic level, like ensuring that they're inspectors. How are these gloves being inspected? I mean, there's just so many levels to what their fights are to keep the boxers mm-hmm. safe, and that's at the end of the day what starting this is with all the about. matchmaking. <laughs> yeah. Shit. So. And then, you know, we we look at ProBellum, we look at where it is, we look at who the players are, uh, aside from Richard Schaefer, what are their relationships to the old MT, MTK Global group? Mm. Is there a Kinahan, Kinahan relationship? Who are the sponsors? Are there interconnected situations there that uh, really smack of corruption? And that's something we, we need to follow up and, and really look at because whether it's you know, just because we're based in the United States, we're sitting here looking at governance of boxing around the world. And, right. you know, whether American fighters are on those cards or not, this is safety issues and governance issues. And it's, you know, if you are IBF and you have a main event on a card that has these this many problems, how many more times are you going to be willing to put your fighters on that kind of card? Right. As long as they get their money. So long as they get paid, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll be. We'll see there too, right? Whether they actually get paid. Right. That's too. So, Eddie, do you want to talk about uh, McLaren's report and uh, the IOC's recommendation? The IOC first, and the the reason is that as we're recording this on uh, Sunday the twelfth, that's the day that uh, by a Zoom meeting the conclusion of the IEBA, the International Boxing Association, which is the Olympic Boxing Federation, will be having their their special, what they call extraordinary uh, Congress. And on Monday the 13th, there's supposed to be a press conference with the uh, president of IEBA, Umar Kremlev, and we're going to find out what changes, if any, uh, they've made. They said they're going to make a lot of a lot of uh, changes, but what happened during the the week that just ended? Uh, Thomas Bach, the head of the IOC, and the IOC put out a report about IEBA, which is we know has been suspended for the last couple of years, and they specifically singled out boxing, weightlifting, and modern pentathlon as sports that were not included on the program of the Los Angeles 2028 Olympics at this point. And they made a distinction where they put boxing and weightlifting in one group. Bach called them their uh, problem children 
of the, the Olympic movement. And I'll reserve maybe for another time about what's been going on in weightlifting, which involves a lot more about doping and governance and all kinds of stuff. But in terms of IEBA, they specifically said, and I actually think their tone might have been a little softer than it's been, but they said for IEBA to get reinstated and to get back on the program of guaranteed sports for Los Angeles in 2028, that which is implying that if it's not, they might just drop boxing. That IEBA has, must, quote, demonstrate that it has successfully addressed the ongoing concerns around its governance, its financial transparency and sustainability, and the integrity of its refereeing and judging uh, processes. And what they did say was that added to the program of 2028, while these other sports, we don't know what's going to be happening. They said they're going to be adding a couple of other sports. Let me get a list of these things, which would uh, skateboarding was one of them. I thought I had the list here. But these are on the program for 2028 instead of uh, instead of boxing. I'll, I'll look up the maybe somebody could look up the list. I thought it had it. I heard so it, wait, had it so right Eddie, if if the organization IEBA is not around, does not exist, are you telling me uh, amateur boxing in the Olympics does not exist? We don't know because in the Tokyo Olympics, the IOC organized it directly. Boxing is still on for now on the program for twenty four in Paris. But it's not yet on the program for 28, whether that was what the executive board meeting was discussing. Now, they laid out what they called a pathway, which is what I read about. And what they seem to be implying that if they don't do things to their satisfaction, they might just dump it completely. And one of the specific things they raised about finances is that the, the IEBA has been in big debt for several years, a lot of bad deals and, and corrupt looking deals that, again, the McLaren report, I encourage people to look it up. A lot of this stuff is in detail. But the IOC also raised, uh, although McLaren didn't raise it, the issue of Gazprom, which is the Russian state-run gas monopoly. And the main funding for IEBA now seems to be a contract that IEBA made with Gazprom for them to be what they call a general partner. The IOC wanted to look at this contract, which it said, by the way, in the press release that put it out, they were not going to reveal the contents. And the IOC said, we want to know the contents. And they told the IOC, no, you can't see it. We have a non-disclosure agreement. So they brought in the auditing firm, auditing firm EY, which used to be Ernst & Young, and they apparently looked at it. And the IOC uh, looked at the terms of this, and it looks like they got a lot of money up front. The contract goes to the end of 22, but they might run out of that in the middle of 2022. And the terms of the contract, what does IEBA have to do to fulfill uh, to fill the terms of the contract, that what deals do they have to make? That's not entirely clear from 
what's what's going on and does this contract since it's with a mainly state-owned and state-run gas monopoly of russia does this tie aiba too closely to the russian government which creates a conflict of interest and particularly of, of all governments russia known for its corruption in the olympic movement and it's something that aiba has done a lot become dependent on just one source of funding. So what are they going to do after the middle of 2022? That's not really clear. The McLaren report talks about the refereeing and the judging that even as recently as the recent tournaments that Aiba had this year, they found evidence about manipulation. Otherwise, we just call it more simply fight fixing. And that a lot of the the culture of corruption and the way the judges and referees carried out what was supposed to be their duties and was selected, that had remnants of what had gone on in Rio 2016, where there had been open uh, manipulation and that that has not been completely wiped out. And in terms of governance, uh, there was a, a proposed set of proposals that Aiba had from reports from Professor Ulrich Haas of the University of Zurich, which presumably they're going to adopt at their Congress. And that would include cleaning out the majority of the senior leadership of Aiba, including a lot of these characters that were around and in positions of power from during Rio 2016, and some of them even before that led to all of this corruption. So we're going to find out soon what they're really going to do. I will say that the McLaren report, while it deals with up to, you know, just a few months ago, some of these tournaments, the what they said was uh, bad governance and corruption was very positive about Kremlev. And they said things like, it's evident that Kremlev has brought in several changes and has launched a genuine process of reform. And also they said, there's a genuine attempt at reform and progress has been made under Kremlev's leadership. So we're going to see what they actually do. A lot of these are nice words and whether they start to clean house and how far they could do it. Because the other factor is you could want a clean house and you're facing resistance of, of, from corrupt elements that the, the non-corrupt, the honest elements want a clean house. So we'll see what happens. The, the McLaren report talked of three main motivations, a couple of main motivations for the corruption in Aiba. One was financial reward. In other words, gifts or money or bribes. The other was nationalism, where cliques of Russian-speaking or French-speaking referees and judges would fix fights to help people in their countries. And the other one, they called betting scams. Criminal syndicates have long been associated with martial arts, combat sports, and due to its heritage, boxing has been a major victim of their activities, the McLaren report said, but they didn't have a way to really investigate that fully, but not surprising gambling 
is involved in all these areas of corruption. So we're going to see what Aiba says and what they do and, and how well this works. And I would add, we're also going to see, does the, does the IOC have other motives in this? In other words, have they just decided boxing is too much of a problem? Let's get rid of it. We already have other combat sports, wrestling, judo, taekwondo, other combat sports really want to get on the Olympic program. Uh, Sambo, Muay Thai, even much further down the road, MMA. Are they looking in this, you know, what do we need all this shit for? Maybe we should just get rid of boxing. A boxer died uh, recently, uh, several months ago, at one of the Aiba tournaments. In, in uh, I think in Jordan, and they said, "What do we What do we need all this crap for? Because it, it just seems to be endless." Not and the person who was in charge of this whole reform commission is Nenad Lalovich, the head of the UWW, the Olympic Wrestling Federation. And if you did a McLaren report into Olympic wrestling. I think you'd find many of the same accusations about wrestling. Some of the names and places would be changed, but I think you'd find a lot of the same crap that uh, was accused in terms of uh, governance and in terms of bout manipulation and so forth. They've been a little slicker about it. But if you want, do your own research into Mikhail Mamashvili and Ruziev, two longtime members of the top leadership of UWW. So is something else going on now, the sort of wrestling versus boxing conflict? I don't really know, but is, is the IOC holding Aiba to a higher standard since so much of the same crap goes on in many of these other, these other federations? We're going to we're going to find out. So there's, there's a lot of things going on. But Aiba, as I said, it does appear there are elements in it trying to clean up their act. So let's clean see it what up they or actually... you are history. Clean it yeah. up or you so, are. Uh, they, or it could be both. They could clean it up and they still could be history right. is my point. Yeah. We'll so the, 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 the three sports that he were skateboarding, surfing and sport climbing. Uh, which sport would, what? Uh, climbing. Sport climbing. <laughs> You know, take a, one of the oh, original Lord. sports from the Greek Olympics on Mount Olympus. Yeah, all right. Well, all right. Can it with corruption. Just because another young, comment. Young people in L.A. would maybe more interested in that. Yeah, stuff. I guess. Get on but, that tip. But meanwhile, you know, uh, in terms of boxing um, and, and the issue of uh, sports gambling, you know, we're, we're on the pro side of the game. We're now in a situation where major sports betting organizations sponsor televised boxing. Uh, you have it on show t- showtime to the point where their people have to give you the line before every fight. You have it on, on, uh, on the zone. I mean, it's blatant. So yeah. uh, what is, we, we won't even, we haven't even touched the surface of what that's all about, but it's interesting that that is a finding or a potential finding for the corruption at Aiba, and it would be curious to trace out what those relationships are, what kind of sports organizations or gambling organizations they're really talking about. Are they legalized gambling organizations, semi-legal? I mean, 
Um, I think they're referring to illegal. Right. But legalized gambling means they legalize the illegal gambling operation. <laughs> exactly. And, the, and corruption right in front of you, where, you know, you're literally doing it round by round. On, on Caesar's Sportsbook. Have you seen those ads? You know, your so MGM Sportsbook, yeah. MGM exactly. Bets. That's what they have uh, big signs all down Las Vegas Boulevard. MGM exactly. Bets. Exactly. Yeah. So, no. you know, that, this is something. Is yeah. That, you know, is, is going to be a major issue ongoing just in pro sports, never mind uh, how it affects amateur boxing. Right on. Well, look, we're going to move right on into our, our uh, next topic, which is women's boxing. What's going on? I know Katie Taylor served it up this weekend. Katie Taylor sure did. Down. She had a, uh, a mandatory uh, WBA mandatory with Faruza Sharapova, who's uh had been 14 and 0, she, 14 and 1, sorry. She is a fighter out of Kazakhstan, uh, kind of an unknown in terms of the sort of elite level of, uh, of women's boxing that we're used to. A lot of her fights were in Russia. In fact, I think all of them pretty much were in Russia or. What was her um, record? She was 14 and 0 oh, coming okay. into her fight with Katie Taylor. I mean, the last two fights that she had um, were against debut fighters or oh. fighters with like one fight. Right, so right. that didn't count it's so man. much. And it, that's in 21. She had one in, uh, in April, one in, in September. And then she had a fight the year before um, in Moscow with a seven and seven fighter. That was, which you could, find it on YouTube was, you know, did not look very good. So there were certainly some questions coming into this fight with Katie Taylor. I will say she was uh, very, very sure of herself in all of her media events. She kept talking about how she was going to wipe the floor with Katie Taylor, knock her out. And uh, even Eddie Hearn in the sort of in the lead up to the fight last yesterday on DAZN, was talking about how uh, Sharapova was trying to like psych Katie Taylor out all week. <laughs> so using, you know, old Soviet style mound games <laughs> to get into old Kaylee Peters head. Yeah, exactly. They'll say anything <laughs> to hype a fight. Absolutely. <laughs> so this hype. is literally five minutes before the fight's going on. So that was really funny. <laughs> but, um, you know, I have to say Sharapova, who, as I said, was an unknown quantity coming in. She uh, she had really good skills and she's got a very lethal right hand. She has some knockouts in her career and um, she made a good accounting of herself. Folks who were watching it, you know, boxing Twitter uh, was kind of like, hey, Katie, what are you doing there? (laughs) You know, some some folks had, you know, Katie losing the first two rounds. Me, I had it one and one, but it was it wasn't necessarily a close, close fight. But Sharapova really worked hard in the ring. Um, you know, I don't. I think she was she was not as fast as Katie, and she did not have the experience at that level. She hasn't had to fight, you know, at a uh, at the high level, uh, high elite level of of uh, of world um, of, of world championship bouts mm. in her pedigree. So certainly, there was a lot for her to learn. But she was not a work a walkover by any means. She really did have some skills and someone that we can watch into the future. She started, <coughs> excuse me, pretty much to fade in the la- later rounds. 
But what she revealed about Katie was that Taylor is, um, she's fast, she's quick, but she was getting tagged because she wasn't able to just defend herself fast enough. Her hands are down a lot, which is fine if you can stay out of the way, but she wasn't moving enough. The other thing is Taylor was throwing a lot of punches, but she was not in the pocket. She never touched Sharapova. And there's a lot, especially in the earlier round, she was really at distance and never got to her. And even her corner said, oh, well, that's okay. Just keep going, you know, keep going in and then you'll get to her eventually. But to me, it was a a little bit of a warning sign, especially if uh, she's going to go up against somebody like Serrano, that is not going to fly. So um, I I think as a tune-up for Serrano, which is presumably uh, will be her next fight, um, this uh, Sharapova certainly uh, put Taylor through her paces. Um, Taylor did not get tired. I mean, she she was able to sustain great conditioning. Taylor has her great conditioner, conditioning. Her conditioning is is top notch, but um, she wasn't showing heavy hands particularly, and her her defense was off. And I'm not going to say that she was sluggish. That wasn't it. She just didn't seem on top form. Yeah, she Maybe has she levels. was off having a bad day. She was a little off. And if she's going to fight Serrano, which, as I said, is, you know, being hyped as the next fight in Madison Square Garden sometime in the I'm spring. I'm going with Serrano on that fight. Um, Taylor is going to have to really do some work in the gym to add some additional dimensions to her game and to stop being so predictable. Mm. Um, and that was something that even Sharapova was able to get out of the way for sort of earlier in the fight. She was getting tagged more by the end of the fight. She was tired. She was getting tagged a little bit, but she was able to respond and even took the ninth round really clearly because she could really see what Taylor was going to do. Uh Um, So uh, Taylor will have her work cut out for her if she really expects to be able to uh, defeat Serrano. That will have to be basically the best fight of her life or certainly what her earlier so with serrano you know she's on the clown show with uh her sponsor (laughs) paul josh paul next weekend look she Uh, gotta make her money some kind of way let them yeah she and she's making a lot um you know listen katie taylor is certainly making a lot of money these days which is good for her and serrano uh is going to do well in her fight against gutierrez next week and then um again there's discussions uh, about putting together this big mega fight, which Eddie Hearn is hyping as the biggest fight in women's boxing ever. Well, okay, that's debatable. Certainly for this era, maybe right. it'll it'll certainly be the biggest money fight in this era. Um, and you know, in terms of the, the, the lethality of, of Serrano, she's got heavy hands and 40 KOs, and she's really chasing um uh Christy Martin's record of 42 KOs. So she wants that badly and she'll want to win against Katie Taylor by KO because she's going to want to come out of that fight. Right. Well, something to prove and also say, Hey, I am, I am so far and above the best woman fighter that ever fought. I've got seven different, you know, weight classes with belts. I'm undisputed and I defeated the queen long live the queen. So, Long live the empress is what it's going to look like. So there's there's a lot there. 
Um, one other thing I want to say, I mean, there's a lot of women's boxing coming up. There's, there's been a lot on Twitter about uh, the super featherweight division. You know, that's with uh, uh, Alicia Baumgartner had that terrific win over Terry Harper. Um, you've got Michaela Mayer who just won. So we got a whole lot of belts out there. Um, and in terms of what happens next, we still have Choi of South Korea with a belt. Somebody's got to fight her to get her belt. Oh, and we got a lot to, to talk be- about. A lot of undisputed. So there's that. So there's a lot that's going to come up in 2022. But the thing I want to complain about for two minutes is there were four big cards yesterday. There was DAZN. All right. There was Showtime. There was Top Rank and Probellum. Okay, Probellum's new, but they were trying to make a big splash. Only one card had a female fight, and that was DAZN. And that is disgraceful. I'm sorry. That, that was the most popular sports star in Ireland, too. It wasn't just any fight. Somebody that had, is, a, is a huge star in mm-hmm. Ireland. Right? Yes. And, and in the UK. I mean, and look, the, that card was out of Liverpool. It had uh, uh, Connor Ben, who's a very popular uh, in, in England, uh, fighting, uh, you know, an older Chris Algieri to try to make his bones at, at uh, 147 at welterweight. I thought um, Chris Algieri retired. Now he was back yep. in the ring and man, he got his the crap kicked out of him. He oh, had a doing ben had a KO that I mean Algeria went bomb. Good night. That was crazy. But where the hell were the female fights yesterday? Right. Where was it on showtime? Where was it on top rank? That's number one. Number two. It's not a priority. It I just know. isn't. That, that's rank. where there was this this discussion on Twitter about. These are going to be huge fights if Michaela Mayer fights somebody or Serrano versus Taylor. Will they be extremely, very, extremely important? Yes. Are they going to be huge fights in terms of business and the audience? Certainly not in the United States. Mm-hmm. If you really even you really even see them. Exactly. How many people watch the Katie Taylor fight was on in the U.S. on Saturday afternoon on the zone when people might have been doing other stuff and you already had in the u.s on on bigger tv networks the top ranked show on espn and the other card that was on showtime showtime exactly right bbc card so how many people watch katie taylor in the united states how many people know who she is obviously that that's not right but if you don't put her in the main event of these kind of cards on uh, ESPN and Showtime and places like that, people aren't going to know her. That is the whole point. You know, if you're not putting, if if top rank is only putting Michaela Mayer on a card, well, how the hell is Williams women's boxing going to grow? What the fuck? You know? So I really had a bone to pick. That was number one. Secondly, top rank has this Ali grandson, right? Nico. You would think he was the second coming. I mean, the kid can't box, but that's that's neither here nor there. They go on and on and on. Oh, his grandfather, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? The boy has an auntie named Layla Ali who was in the International Boxing Hall of fucking fame, right. and they never mention her. They never mention there's another Ali in the Hall of fucking fame. You know what right. I'm saying? I was so pissed. There's two different times this kid's been on these cards 
and they go on and on and on. And, and what on co- and who on. commented on the on his on uh, the fight. Ali legacy? Right. I mean, you're talking Ali legacy. Well, <laughs> the commentators on top the, rank. Uh, hey, you're you're Andre Ward. Okay, he was we there. We call his ass out Jim, on Twitter. I did. Did I get a response? No. no. Timothy Bradley. Zip. Because oh. the bosses didn't say anything. I don't know why. Don't ask me. All I know That's is. That's just lame as hell, zero. though, not to recognize Layla Ali as part of the Ali boxing family. It's history. They worked, they worked for ESPN, and the ESPN show had a certain narrative that went on. They have this Nico Ali Walsh kid. And the, not only do they push him because he's Ali's grandson and his mother and Ali, one of Ali's former wives was in the crowd. They showed all them. But who used to promote some of Ali's fights was sitting in the front row, Bob Arum. And it was I also know. his 90th birthday. And mm. they had the arena led by Tyson Fury. And it's assuming the the BWAA, which is the Boxing Writers Association of Aram, sitting there <laughs> uh, ringside in the media yeah, section. Yeah, and the grandson, all singing, his grandson. All yeah. singing happy birthday to the oh, promoter. Boy. Yesterday I was lying. Today I'm telling the truth. That was the whole narrative of this thing, that Aram is the continuation of the Ali legacy. Oh, God. That was Fair it. And, and so my my joke was that with this Nico Ali Walsh guy, they're going to find some opponent for him named Fraser and have <laughs> Ali Walsh, they call it Ali Fraser 5. That's you right, know, because and, there was an Ali Fraser 4 and it was called which <laughs> Layla right, Ali and Ali. Jackie Fraser. Right. At, at, you know, uh, at, on, on a uh, Boxing Hall of Fame weekend, right? right? So it's like, wow. give me a break. I, I just was fit to be tied yesterday. I didn't even want to watch the rest of the card. I did. I turned it off. And finally, you know, it's like, oh, Loma's fighting. Okay, I'll watch him because, well, he's just, to me, he's poetry. Yeah, he's a great, fight. he's great to watch. I like he him. was poetry last night. Yeah. He really, he really he regained his form. Yeah, he really or did. He was, what you'd call me. And Jared Anderson is a guy they're really pushing and he got another early knockout. So. Yeah. So, you know, there was some good stuff on there, but it just ticked me off. It ticked me off. There were no women on the cards. Oh, you should be mad. Damn it. We all it mad. Ticked me off, you know, that there's just no respect to, to queen Layla. Um, you know, she That's did a lot right. for boxing and she, that she is in the international boxing hall of and fame. She fought in the garden too. Yes, right. she did. She fought in the garden. Was there. There's another Ali that fought in the garden. Zero. Absolutely zero. I, I think these people should be ashamed. Right. Because Timothy Bradley and Andre Ward, you guys better recognize now. Recognize. Lali is, is this kid's aunt. Yes, exactly. Right. Aunt Auntie Auntie Layla. That's right. Is in the end, believe out Auntie Layla. It's crazy. Exactly. So that right. was. I was a little. For whatever upset. reason, she wasn't there, because I don't know. She wasn't, was and she wasn't in the last fight. So maybe yeah, there's she know, issues with fights. the family. That's I don't care. Yeah, right, mention yeah. her. Right. Mention as a fighter. Yes, as a, as fighter, a fighter. You have to mention. You Whatever's have to going mention on with the family and the money. Forget about it. that. Worry. That's not for us to say, but do right. say somewhere 
that the Ali legacy lives on to a third generation because That's the right. sex, second generation represented, you know, because right. they don't, you they're not journalism. You, when you watch these shows, they have a contract with top rank and the promotion develops the narrative. And if that isn't part of their narrative, because Layla Ali is not part of top rank and I don't think she ever was. No, and if they doesn't. don't, they don't like, they don't like her for whatever reason. She doesn't exist. No, uh, you you're, any- you're right. You're right. The only person who was actually at that time, the person represented by time Frank was Mia St. John. Oh. Right. Christy, they dropped Christy Martin. <laughs> no, no. Christy Martin was with. Were they uh, supposed to do Christy Don Martin? King. See a Riker. Yeah, they they were supposed to, and then Lucia Riker had an injury, and, right, um, and but Riker her. was not with Top Rank at that time. She had Bob Arum had dropped her in favor of Me and St. John. Basically, Christy Martin was light pink, was baby pink, and Me and St. John was hot pink, hot pink, and right? I, on the cover of Playboy with two red uh-huh. um, boxing gloves in front of her naked boobies. So there you go. That was Bob Arum back in the day. <laughs> And that's the connection between <laughs> make another connection because I made a connection between the Aiba and Probellum. That's another connection between the Aiba story and women's boxing that most of the American so-called boxing media doesn't care because they are loyal, not to journalism, not to the truth, not to reality, but to the promoters and networks that hire them as propagandists to do infomercials for them. Right. Well, you're not going to get that here at the war room. This is all about truth, honor, truth. But you you are so right, Eddie. And it's, it's a damn shame because boxing is dying in this country. It it, sure is. It's just, pathetic and And what's going to be the effect if the ioc says no more boxing in the olympics not just aiba because i you know federations can come and go but if they say that's it boxing is off the program of the olympics which means that it's a little different in the u.s but most countries the boxing federation is funded from the government because it's an olympic federation if it's no longer part of the olympics there goes your funding the amateur programs what effect is that going to do how many top professional boxers went through the amateurs became olympic medalists or olympic champions that we even mentioned today katie taylor lomachenko and, and so many others were gold medalists in the olympics if there's no more gold medalists no more olympic boxing that will trickle down and really affect the pros I absolutely agree with you. I, even last night, you know, uh, to Andre credits, to Andre Ward's credits, so we'll give him a plus here. Uh, the fact that, you know, the, the Olympics came up and the fact that Clarissa Shields had won two gold medals in the Olympics. And uh, don't know who asked Ward said, and Ward said, you know, she's the only one that ever did two gold medals. And then someone said something like, well, she's did an you ESPN even try? Right. Did you even? Yeah, I got I got you there. But the point was, somebody said, well, did you even did anybody else really even try for two? Did you? (laughs) And Ward said, yeah, I did. And I didn't get the gold. So there was some like little, you know, 
you know, real shady stuff going on in there. When but did he, he tried for two? He tr- he did try for two. He didn't get two in two thousand eight. Yeah, there was a little shady stuff though. Thought he had turned <laughs> pro after two thousand four. Yeah, but he he did try for right. two, and he he uh, he he came to Clarissa's defense. So you know, he's like one for one for me. Yeah. Katie Last Taylor night. tried for two and didn't and get the didn't, second. But there's one. question though, you know, whether her fight result got tainted in Rio 2016. So who knows? Exactly. Yeah. All that dirty fight fixing crap going on. <laughs> exactly. It's one of the fights that was being looked at, but we'll, right. we'll never know. Yeah. I just said that McLaren report said they were not in a position to make a legal determination. That word legal is important. Which fights were fixed? Because uh, first of all, they're not boxing experts. Second of all, Right. There's a certain amount of subjectivity in boxing scoring. And third of all, legally, they'd have to show the actual, they'd have to show proof of some kind of bribery or uh, corruption or coercion or, or something like that. And they weren't in a, in a, which is very difficult to get, but they looked at bouts that were were very suspicious beyond even the ones that, you know, the Mick Conlon, uh, the Keaton fight and uh, the uh, the other one that took place in the Olympics, both of which involved surprise, surprise, Russian fighters getting uh, suspicious uh, decisions. So right on. It's well, all look, connected. Folks, it is all connected and we're going to keep the, on this story. We're going to follow up again and keep you guys posted on what's going on with our amateur boxing program, because it is uh, it is an important aspect to develop young talent in this country, and we need the amateur program, and we need it to be as corruption-free as possible. Okay, so we we have to we have to keep highlighting these stories. In the meantime, that's all we have for you guys today, folks. Uh, you guys want to tell the people where they can find you, Eddie, Mr. Goldman, where can the people find yeah. you on social media? Social media is mainly on Twitter at NHB news. Come on. I'm also discussing a lot of political non-sport stuff. And sometimes I put up some interesting and fun music or movie clips. Just have right. a little levity on there. You can go to my website, eddiegoldman.com and subscribe on my Patreon. I had a long article before the IOC and McLaren reports came out about uh, can anybody clean up pro and Olympic boxing on my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. You can support independent journalism by subscribing to that. And hopefully we'll have a follow-up article after we find out what happened at the EBA conference. Mm -hmm. uh, Congress and a Kremlis press conference. And also, of course, you could buy some Noel's Bard with Eddie Goldman gear on my red bubble page and That's show right. the, give the finger to the promoters and show uh, that you stand for uh, some honesty and fairness in the combat sports. That's right. All right, Melissa, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Okay, on Twitter and Instagram, I am um, at Girl Boxing Now. Then um, do a lot on women's boxing, boxing in general. The occasional Spotify list uh, for there my you. music. I right gotta on. say, I got. I'll be doing a couple more 
putting those out pretty soon. Um, I also have a website, girlboxing.org. Um, I do blog pieces about every 10 days or so. Um, and also have a media page on other articles that I'm quoted in as well as uh, war room stuff. So um, I really hope to see you on the page. Right on. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am your fight goddess. You can follow me on Instagram at La Fight Goddess. You can check us out online at War Sports, W A A R Sports.com. And we will see you next time. Peace, love, and push ups. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart. The legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And... Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content, that's at Patreon.com, slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent, no-holds-barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini-skirts at the new No-Holds-Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.